Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. I'm Mike Pratt and I'm joined today by your friend Jacob Avila. Hello, and I have to add that you're literally joined by Jacob Avila because we're sitting in the same room, which has happened, what, three times now in the last, like, two years? I think so. We were joined at birth, and we were separated yes. for several years. We recently found out that we are, in fact, brothers. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now we live Now we live in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. we got to settle down. The paper we're going to talk about today is a big one in the T-E-E-E literature. Association between left ventricular outflow tract opening and successful resuscitation after cardiac arrest. This was published in Resuscitation May 2019. So, transesophageal echo in arrest. It's the big thing. That's we, not important, right? That's not anything anybody cares about. Well, yeah, you can you can just stop listening now if you <laughs> if you feel that's not a big deal. But a lot of people, including myself, think that this is the next step in cardiac arrest management and this is actually going to help people. Now there's a lot of ways that we can talk about how TEE can help you whether it's decreasing your time off the chest in compressions or higher accuracy in diagnosing the etiologies of arrest but one of the main ways that we like to discuss TEE helping you is to help you change the placement of your chest compressions because it turns out there is some evidence that we are doing chest compressions in the wrong place and in fact when we're trying to help that poor dying heart pump its blood forward we're in fact compressing the aortic outflow tract and and thwarting our efforts at resuscitation that that's like terrifying to me to think that like sometimes we're doing an intervention that we assume is helping our patients, but we may be doing completely the opposite. I kind of think that uh, inappropriate hand placement is kind of the same thing as intubating the esophagus, right? Because it's a life-saving intervention that when done correctly can save a life, but if you do it wrong, it can be the thing that kills your patient, right? Yeah, it is very frightening to think that we could be doing this wrong and we have been doing it wrong for a while. and. There is some evidence that we've seen so far. There's a study in pigs that showed that this might be a a big problem. And what we've been waiting for is a study in humans because a lot of the doubters, a lot of the TEE haters out there say, hey, show me the data. Show me that this actually helps people. This is a powerful but small step in that direction. So Jacob, Tell us what happened here. All right, so this was a retrospective review that was done between uh, 2015 and 2017. They included adult patients, 18 to 70 years old, and they included patients basically that were refractory, out-of-hospital arrest. Now, what they included there was all patients with out-of-hospital witness cardiac arrest. They had time from the event to CPR of less than six minutes, The patients had absence of major comorbidities or terminal illnesses. They had unsuccessful 20-minute ACLS treatment and expected event to hospital arrival time of less than 65 minutes. And they were carried under mechanical ventilation to the emergency room to perform that CPR. So to summarize that, they cherry-picked only the patients that had the best chance of survival, it sounds like. 
Which, that's great. I mean, that's that's when you should be thinking about this even more. I mean, if you have a patient with terminal cancer that was found, you know, unresponsive and pulses in the morning, you know, and had been asleep presumably all night, this is not a patient they included because that patient, doesn't matter what you do, probably had a uh, exponentially small chance of survival, right? So they picked the ones that it matters the most, and I think that's great. Yes. So what they did was they did a bunch of different measurements on the patient. They obviously uh, placed the uh, TE probe down in the esophagus uh, during the arrest. And they looked at a bunch of stuff. They looked for right ventricular fractional area change, right ventricular outflow tract fractional shortening. They looked at the LVOT as well. They looked to see the aortic root diameters, tubular portion of the ascending aorta. They looked at the left ventricular volumes, the EF. And then they obviously looked at the uh, return of spontaneous circulation and return of electromechanical activity. So they looked at a bunch of different variables with that TE to see what was most correlated with patients surviving. So as far as outcomes, they looked at a few things. They looked at ROSC, so immediately after the resuscitation, they looked at survival at 24 hours and then survival to hospital discharge. Now, anybody that has looked into the cardiac arrest literature knows that this type of research is difficult. So I don't think we should be too disappointed to find out that they were only able to enroll 19 patients. Yeah, so, it's kind of a small N, but I think that it's like an appropriate N. I mean, they, they ran this study for two years. Right. I, I would want to know about this earlier rather than doing a 10-year study and then right. finding out when it, we've already killed a lot of patients. Right. Well, let's take a look at this group first because they were it does really change your population. So the average age was in the 50s. They did have similar baseline characteristics between the survivors and non-survivors, so that was important. 80% had a mechanical compression device, and their overall survival rate, seven patients survived with ROSC, so that was 37%, and only one patient ended up surviving to hospital discharge. So their primary outcome, the echo parameters that were different between the survivors and the non-survivors, the main thing that they found, now listen to this, it's important, the survivors 100% had an open LVOT, whereas only one patient that did not survive had an open LVOT. So that was their that main is crazy. finding. Now, other things that they found that are probably less important, the ejection fraction was slightly higher in the survivors and the ascending aorta was slightly larger in the survivors, but that's it wasn't really a, a huge difference there. Some of their other findings that they calculated, they did a hazard ratio for the LVOT, and that was 0.205. You mentioned a difference in the ejection fraction, but I'm wondering, like, that seems probably to be directly correlated with the LVOT being open or not, right? Because if you have an LVOT that's not open, you presumably your ejection fraction would also be low, right? Because blood's not able to move forward, so you're unable to get that uh, left ventricular chamber like decompress enough to create a higher ejection fraction. Good point. Yeah, a lot of these echo parameters are probably very interrelated. Now, other findings, the average time from arrival to TEE was only eight minutes. There was no difficulties associated with TEE insertion, and it was stated that this did not impede resuscitation. Let's talk about some of the limitations. I think we'll just get out of the way. We know this is a super small study performed in Europe 
by a single highly skilled operator, and this is retrospective data. Mm -hmm. Of course, we have to take all that into consideration in examining this, and this isn't like necessarily going to convince everybody or change everybody's practice, and it shouldn't, but it's a good it's a good start. Now, one thing that I thought was interesting, there was a pretty low survival rate in this group since they kind of tried to tease out the highest survivors. I thought it was going to be a little bit better. It ended up being only 5% survival. But that's but, actually consistent with literature, though, right? I mean, when you take, like, all the cardiac arrest patients, I think the survival rate's, like, between, like, 3 and 6%. Yeah, but I was hoping because they made it, like, only ones that got CPR really quickly mm-hmm. and the time to CPR was really low, I was hoping it would be uh, higher. Fair enough. So they also did VA ECMO in a number of these patients, which may not be part of your resuscitation protocol. But there was a really good quote from this paper that I have to share. They are obviously very staunch believers in eCPR, and they say, quote, Nowadays, the only alternative to eCPR attempt in this setting is reasonably the cemetery. I applaud. I applaud this. Yeah, and of course, with this such a small survival, we can't really comment on were these patients surviving with neurologically intact outcomes. So that's something we always would love to see, that we know how many people walked out of here with a more meaningful life, but we're not quite there yet in this study. Now, one thing that should be just briefly mentioned that I was curious about, and we don't actually know what happened, but if they saw that the LVOT was being compressed during these patients, did they fix it? Or did they just be like, well, we'll see what happens? Honestly, like, I don't know. I Presumably they, I mean, it looks like they didn't. And it actually would be okay because if they didn't have the TEE in there, like, there would be no difference. And we don't know. I mean, it, it makes sense that, you know, that it's the case. But we don't really, like, know if we adjust the hands if that actually would fix the patients, right? So we don't know that yet. So there's not an obvious direct correlation between not moving the hands and harm at this point. But this is, I think, a good first step. And uh, the best next study would to be have, have a huge multi-centered study where they look at that and then adjust it and see if the survival rates go up. And another correlate would be, if you don't have a TEE, should we consider changing where we start our hand compressions? Right. We should don't. we go like towards the left just a little bit and down just a little bit? I don't think we have enough evidence to really make that massive of a shift in practice but it's you know maybe if the literature bears that out it would be a consideration so let me recap this study this was a retrospective italian study looking at cardiac arrest patients they ended up enrolling 19 patients and their main finding was that the survivors were much more likely to have an open lvot compared to the non-survivors So take-home points, in this small study, no patients with a closed LVOT, as seen on TEE, had a successful resuscitation. So this lends evidence to the idea that TEE can be helpful in managing your cardiac arrest patients. So great job, pat on the back to these authors for taking this step, and thank you for continuing to listen to our podcast. You can check us out at ultrasoundgel.org, go to our Facebook page, or talk to us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you there. Until then, we will talk to you later. 